Welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth. I'm an intimacy coach and psychologist. I created this show to explore the erotic alphabet, to help you learn more about desire and expressing your desires, discover ways to spice up your relationship and create that sizzling relationship you've always wanted. I do this through solid science, real life stories and interviews with an exciting variety of sex experts. Listen in weekly as I share key strategies to help you create your ideal sexual life. Make sure you join us to access even more sexual strategies on my blog, A to Z of Sex, access our monthly newsletter with subscriber-only offers at www.atozofsex.com. That's A-T-O-Z-O-F-S-E-X. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the A to Z of Sex. I'm Dr. Lori Beth, and I am your host. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. Just a reminder, this podcast deals with adult content, so if you don't have total privacy, you might want to put on some headphones. Today, the letter is D, and D is for dice. Joining me today is Jeremy Fraser, originally a Londoner to Kiwi parents and now living in New Zealand. Serial entrepreneur, partner to Loretta, surfer and road biker, stepfather to one, and if all goes to plan, a freshly minted father to his own in seven months' time. He started Dalliance Adult 12 months ago and initially fell randomly into the adult dice niche as there was an opportunity on Amazon to create a product that was much better than all the cheap shite that was already on there. And now they have copycats galore. He wanted to stay away from all the same, same tacky, plasticky bondage gear and sex toys that have flooded the market, particularly since Fifty Shades of Grey. He soon realized there was a market for upscale adult products from a company that genuinely cared about their customers and their relationships with their partners. As you can see from his website and Facebook page, their mission is to reignite relationships that are stalling and to help folks develop love and trust with their partner through content they generate and games and toys that they create. Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. How is it there today? Beautiful. Yeah, I think it's about 20 degrees. I'm not sure what that is in Fahrenheit, but oh it's probably God. about 70, I suppose. But yeah, no, it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of like interesting foggy here. I'm, in, I'm on location in um, Oakland, California. Well, the Oakland area anyway. So, yeah. Oh, yes. So, what? why dice? That was a really interesting one for me. It was, it was completely random, as you said. As you said in your intro, um, I was just looking. I was looking on Amazon for for a product that I could that I could sell. I was looking to get it to, to be in an online business, and um, ended up just down a rabbit rabbit trail on the in the adult section, and, and just came across adult dice, which was really poorly serviced. They were just cheap, tacky white, um, you know, two three dollar dice. And I just thought, you know, there are there are people out there who want something that's better quality than what they're providing here. So I just went ahead and created a much better version of what was already on there with more positions and, and, a, and an explanatory booklet as well. Um, and yeah, they've just taken off. Uh, and now, as he, as he said, I've got, you know, copy gets galore and it's, it's really tricky to try and stay ahead. It's really interesting to me because um, I am of an age when, um, that I remember when Dungeons and Dragons first came out and was popular when we yeah. actually played with dice and that was really an important thing and it was really a cool thing so to people like me um that's probably a whole untapped market that like 
I don't know whether you're aware of, the older ones who actually were geeks, science fiction and fantasy geeks. Really? The idea of, of like sex dice that are more than just the square. I remember the original ones. Yeah, yeah. And, and where you made sentences and stuff with sex words and right. The right. idea of like a proper game, but with Dungeons and Dragon dice is like fucking <laughs> well, that's kind of what we've done a little bit. I, I must admit, I know nothing about Dungeons and Dragons. I've never played it. Um, so I can't claim to have been following that sort of lead. But um, they certainly have proved popular. And there was, there was definitely latent demand there. You know, we sort of measured the amount of dice that were being sold on Amazon. And there might have been, you know, 8, 10, 12 sets a day of a particular product. And we launched ours and we were getting 20, 30, 40 units a day. So it was almost like a, a pent-up demand for something that the people didn't know they, they needed, they wanted. So it was, um, you were being very lucky. So what other kinds of, I mean, what, let's talk sex toys. Yeah. Know, because it's an interesting market and the adult sex game market and the idea of trying to kind of reignite relationships, which is something that I'm, as a coach, really into. Absolutely. bringing the flame back and stuff. Absolutely. What do you know about the people that are consuming not only the, your products, but really getting into the content that you're producing? I think when I know we're, we're targeting a very specific um, person or we, we appeal to a very specific person, that's generally someone who's, who's possibly been in a relationship for a little while, um, you know, four or five year mark. They may be getting... Um, as most of us have been there, um, a little bit tired. Well, not so much tired, but um, they may need, you know, more interest in the relationship. Um, bored. They're bored. They're bored. They're bored. If you want to put it bluntly, they're bored, right? They want to. They want to add some spark. So that's what we. That's what we originally envisaged doing. Is it's for folks who, who are in a longer term relationship, committed relationship, generally, um, who just want to add something different into the bedroom. So it was super simple. It's not. It's not rocket science. It's just. It's just helping people um, re-break the ice, I guess, to a certain extent. Um, we find that I mean, the, the particular dice product we started with has, a, has some warm-up dice, some foreplay dice, and some sexual position dice. And the amount of times we get feedback from our from our customers, we say we didn't even get to the we didn't even get to the sexual position dice. We just start, stayed on the warm-up and got into it ourselves because they just that's what that's what um, uh, sparked in the first place. That's what got them going again. So it was um, it's really just helping people take that step to, to get back into it, to, to, to explore new things. You know, I wonder how many people you actually get who are, or if not, you might want to consider this market, are people where libido is dropped off. So it's not just that sex has gotten boring, but either the, there's a couple of different groups. One of them is the, we've had just had a baby and started the family group. Absolutely. Or we've added to the family group. And, you know, frankly, when you've got an infant, sex becomes a real challenge. Absolutely. And libido can be really difficult, but there's also the menopausal and perimenopausal group. Absolutely. Where libido is a problem. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess what we're trying to, what we're trying to do, and, and this is the first time I really thought about it, but for that group is just to find a way for people to just get back into it, you know, just yeah. to take a step as opposed to, um, as opposed, you know, just, just to take that step, literally. Yeah, and it's a way back in. And it, it's, um, it's a group that I deal with quite a lot. Um, right. I, I do some work with a woman called Marion Stewart who does um, a nutritional, natural way of dealing with menopause. And she right. does nutritional medicine. And she's really brilliant. Um, right. And so we've talked about this quite a bit 
it's an ever-growing group, unfortunately. It's not just the women whose libido slowed down. We sure. target the women, but actually um, men age 55 and over sure. experience a drop in libido, and, and couples have a real problem talking about this stuff. So something fun to get things moving as opposed to necessarily the serious, like where you need to have a conversation. Yeah, totally. I was totally resonate with that. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's hard. I mean, it's hard anyway. You know, I, that's one of the things that I've noticed that's amazing to me over the years of doing this. And, and I've been working with people for 30 years now, quite scary. Um, but yeah. people don't talk about sex. Absolutely. Of course, it's a, it's a tricky, it's, for some people, it's a, tr- a tricky thing to bring up, right? Um, you know, especially if you've been in a relationship for a long time and, uh, you know, ne- not, you're not necessarily comfortable in saying, hey, listen, I'm just not feeling anymore. You know, what, what can we do here? So, and especially for, I mean, I'm sure it's the same for both sexes, but, for, you know, speaking from a guy's perspective, um, it's even almost harder for a guy to do that, you know, to open up and to... to to let what you're thinking out of the bottle, especially if you're going to, if you think you may offend your partner or you may, um, you know, turn her off, so to speak. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, I think it's really difficult. One of the things that I find so interesting is this idea that people still believe that sex really should be natural. And I put that in quotes. It's natural, which means that it happens without any planning or any discussion or anything. And so at the beginning of a relationship, it's often that way. Although you actually get better sex if at the beginning of a relationship you talk about what you like and you don't like. That actually works better, but particularly heterosexual couples rarely do that. No, unless they're kinky. Unless they're kinky. If they're really kinky and they want to make sure that somebody has the same kinks as they do, then they spend time talking about it. Because if you don't match up, it's pointless getting together. So they actually spend a lot of time on what they like, they don't like, any concerns they have, they have sex thing. It all becomes a getting to know you bit before the actual sex. But heterosexual couples don't tend to do that if they're not kinky. They just get good with each other. They're excited. They're hot. This is fun. Let's go back. Yeah, absolutely. Problem is, is that actually we'll do a lot of things at the beginning of a relationship because it feels so good because the partner's new. And yeah. it may not float our boat, but what our partner's learning about us is that we like this, we like that. And we may not like any of that. We may just be doing it because the partner is into it. And right now yeah. everything is hot. And so when you get to yeah. that point where the chemicals change in your body and everything isn't hot anymore, which is 18 months to two years, actually. Yeah, is that the number, is that? Right, yeah. okay. When that kind of initial sort of... The honeymoon period, so to speak. Yeah. That honeymoon period will wear, you know, it can wear off earlier, but that's, that's really where it is. And when you get to that point, you can find that you have no idea what your partner really likes and they have no idea what you really like because you've yeah, been no, going I, with the flow. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the things we're trying to do, um, you know, you mentioned right at the start about us creating content and, and you, if you visit our Facebook page, we do have articles, not necessarily about sex toys and sex games, but it's more about communication with your partner and how to bring up stuff, um, where both partners are comfortable in bringing up, bringing up things. Um, so setting a structure around, around conversation about having a, having transparency and openness. Um, and, uh, and just being, just being open to, to talk about these things and, and creating a, an atmosphere where people can talk about them. So yeah, that's, that's as much a, a part of what we're trying to offer as, as the, you know, as the, as the dice or the, the beginner's bondage gear, so to speak. 
if that makes sense. Well, and I mean, a lot of, you know, toys, toys have merits of their own, of course. Yeah. But a lot of times toys are used as a means to an end. Absolutely. Absolutely. Getting, get us back into communication, get us back into the bedroom, get us back having a good time. Um, and so it isn't, the toy isn't that important per se. It's, totally great. it's a facilitator. Exactly. Yeah. And one, one of the things I like about things like dice is that I think in the bedroom that we forget that sex can be include laughter and include lots of laughter and somehow that's like oh no you shouldn't laugh well yeah laughing at your partner isn't a great thing but you know sometimes everything goes wrong and it's really funny and you know when you do something like you're playing with dice or you're playing a game there's humor there's a lightness to that and you can't help it in some sense it's like the warm-up dice they've got they've got six sides and ten side face and one of them you know a lot of them there's actions and there's body parts and you may end up with blow ears so you might end up blowing your partner's ears which in, in itself is ridiculous and cracks you up but it's it does as you say lightness into the into the into the situation yeah or lick time whatever it is that's so it can be a lot yeah. of fun yeah and I, I think that's so important because that gets lost. And we certainly don't teach people that that's okay. Yeah. No, <laughs> you never hear that, right? No, don't worry. You're going to laugh. It's like everybody's mortified if they laugh. <laughs> totally. I, totally. I teach a role play class. And um, one of the first things I cover is it's sort of, it's, it's how to do role play without feeling like an idiot, really. And one right. of the first things I cover is that is is about remembering when you were a kid and dressing up and when you did role play and why you did it. And you did it because it was supposed to be fun, which means that sometimes things didn't work and you laughed your ass off. And sometimes you thought a character that was going to be really serious came out funny and that that, that relaxation and that laughter, that vulnerability brings us closer. It gives us a deeper level of um, but getting particularly um, in certain areas of the U.S. and in the U.K., when you get very kind of stiff. Totally, especially in the U.K., <laughs> reserved, conservative. <laughs> you need something like this to try and you know, literally break the ice and break people's inhibitions down, which is, which is you know, a good thing about them. Yeah, that's brilliant. So what are you looking at in the future? What are the next sorts of things that you want to be doing? I'm, I'm kind of I, I'm kind of an average kind of Joe, right? I'm I'm not exceptionally kinky, but I'm not missionary once a month kind of guy. I'm sort of somewhere in between, and I want to create products for people like me because I I know what I like. So I want we're trying to develop um, toys and games that are not super kinky, not super out there, um, you know, butt plugs and and ball gags. They're, 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 there's going to be a very, there's a beginner's bondage kit with just a, a pair of handcuffs and a blindfold and a feather tickler just to add some, just a little bit more extra spice into it. We've got a, um, a, a booklet that goes with that and beginner's booklet, which te uh, teaches you a few positions that you can try out with your partner. Um, so, you know, some initial bondage and discipline, but it's, it's very low key, very, um, you know, intro level stuff. Yep. So it, it's more keeping it at that, at that level where it's not too hard out, not too hardcore but just enough that people are going, oh yeah, I haven't tried that, but, I'm, but I'd like to. And, and hopefully that will ignite that passion, reignite that relationship that we're, that, that's our main mission, yeah. What are the most, if you're thinking sex toys in New Zealand, what do you think are the most popular sex toys? I would imagine vibrators. Um, I know that. Um, but you know, New Zealand itself is a pretty... It's a, it's, you know, it's a reasonably conservative country too. So um, 
you know, they don't think outside the box, if you pardon the pun, um, t too often. Um, so I'd imagine, yes, yeah, I imagine vibrators and um, fetish gear, like this, you know, the beginner's gear, like sort of the odd whip and handcuffs and that sort of thing. I think it's so funny that it's like, you know, that's considered conservative now, right? Fetish gear, any fetish gear is considered conservative now. Right. I love, you know, I, I, you know, 20 years ago, that was like definitely not, if that's where you were going, you were definitely not part of a conservative marriage, right? <laughs> I thought it would be pretty standard, right? Like you kind of yes, need now. it. No, it definitely, definitely yeah. now. You know, in society we expected to, well, you know, in a lot, in a lot of societies we expected to stay together for um, decades. Then how do you survive that without having those sorts of toys? Um, it's interesting to me. I mean, I think that a lot of couples did things without toys and um, they experimented, but a lot didn't. I mean, the education around pleasure wasn't there. Right. It wasn't for pleasure. Right. So there's no hedonistic front to it. Right. Yeah. So... So what you what you saw was couples that had like a strong desire and need for pleasure and, and had a good connection did experiment and explore. But those that didn't really kind of kept to the standard stuff and, and divorce just wasn't prevalent, pre prevalent because you didn't do that. It wasn't what you did. Mm. Uh, so what you had and you still unfortunately have were a lot of sexless marriages. Yeah. I mean, at the moment, it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's horrible. There's actually quite a few sexless long-term relationships. That's defined as six or less times per year. That seems like a very small amount of sex. That's, that's, yeah. wow. Okay. And there are loads of couples who right. stay in sexless relationships because they don't know what to do about it. They don't know how to come back from that place. Absolutely. And, and they don't... They don't get help. They don't talk to each other about it. And what they do actually, you know, some one percentage, and I don't know what the percentages are right now, but I think there's a chunk mm. who just do the old, well, this is my bed. I have to lie in it. And so they just proceed in a relationship without sex. Um, and then there's a chunk who have affairs. Yeah. Right. Which to me seems crazy. Like, you know, I was, I was listening to an amazing podcast the other day. Um, a guy called Tim Ferriss was interviewing a, a well-known New York um, family therapist whose name escapes me right now. But they were just talking about polyamory and how it's, and how it's becoming quite popular in, well, in the States and places like San Francisco. And that just seems like a far more healthy way to explore, to get outside the, you know, the bounds of your marriage or your long-term relationship, whatever it is. And if you can have that conversation with your partner and they're happy for either or both of you to explore, you know, you can go away and get your fix if you need to and come back to the same person that you, you know, you call your home. Um, and that seems like a far healthier way to, to be than, than being stuck in, you know, in a sexless marriage for X decades, if that makes sense. It is, but in order to do polyamory and in order to decide to explore non-monogamy, it requires a degree of personal um, confidence. Yeah, security. Yeah, a real sense of personal security and, and self-esteem. And, um, and security and a in the relationship itself too, right? That's right. And, and, and um, a trust in your partner. Yeah. And, and integrity. And um, I mean, I'm polyamorous myself and have been for, yeah. I, I was talking with somebody today. My first consensually polyamorous relationship started when I was 17. 
I'm wow. 54 now, so it's quite a while that I've been poly. Now, I had a monogamous marriage. That. Hmm? You're ahead of the curve, Lori Beth. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I had I had a monogamous marriage in there. That was a right. bad idea. Um, right. That was a very bad idea. But I stayed true to my vows because that's what I agreed to. It just didn't last. Um, I think that polyamory is really popular now. Hmm. I get a lot of clients who have tried opening their relationships up on their own and balls it up. And they come see me. And there's got to be, you know, it's got to be boundaries. There's got to be understanding as to where, what you're allowed or not allowed to do, what you what you want to know, what they want to know. Um, there's got to be a whole set of rules around it for, for yeah. folks to feel safe within it. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, there's everything from monogamish, which is sort of a monogamish relationship includes things like, well, maybe you get to kiss that girl over there or yeah. you, you can sleep with that one person once. Um, yeah versus full-blown polyamory where people are actually having multiple romantic relationships not just multiple sexual relationships but all it takes is good communication i mean that really is the bottom line and that's the bit that most people are missing is that we don't learn to do that absolutely absolutely um and that's kind of what we're trying to you know with our facebook pages bring some of these ideas to the community we're trying to create um where communication is essentially the key to all of it, really. It's, it's the kernel um, in, terms of, in terms of a, a happy and healthy um, relationship with your partner is, and communication around you know, how you are with them sexually and, and, and the, the dynamic you have with them sexually, but also you know, how you're feeling about being able to bring other people into the mix if you want to, or whether they yeah. want to. Yeah. So yeah, the kernel there is, is just being open about it, right? Yeah, and I'm 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 amazed at how hard people find that that. I think I really think it, it is because we don't get trained as kids, we don't get taught. We don't get taught that, that again. We don't get taught relationships need work. No. Right, you get married and it's happily ever after. Yeah. Yeah. Where's the work in that? You know. Oh yeah, you get married and then you have a baby and everything's going to be fine and beautiful and wonderful and natural, whatever that means. And there's no understanding that actually if you want to maintain a relationship, what you have to do is communicate really well and check in with your relationship. Yeah, absolutely. We, I mean, Lorraine and I have a, usually have a meeting to sort of catch up. We dedicate half an hour a week to just catch up on a Thursday morning where we just say, look, how's, your, how's the relationship at the moment? How's your week been? What can I do to help? What can I do better? What, what you've not been doing that I like, that I don't like, et cetera. So um, that's, that stuff's really, really key to making sure it carries on working, right? It's so important. And we don't devote time to that and stuff. And so I love the idea of introducing games and things in order to, it's easier to decide to play a game than it is to sit down and have a check-in, right? It's much more fun. Like, let's go play that game that's fun or let's go mess with that toy that's fun or let's watch um, a hot film together. It's all much easier. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you still need to be able to talk about it, but at least you can ice break with something else. Yeah, no, I agree. I totally agree. So what's the view on pornography down there? I'm not sure, to be honest. Um, it's, you know, to, to me, pornography seems so accessible these days to everyone everywhere and by the internet that 
it's just it's ubiquitous right it's it's everywhere and anywhere so i don't think it's any it's any different there's no there's no the views here aren't different than they would be i'd imagine the states or the, or the uk no well i think i mean part of the reason i ask that is because um i'm always interested the current debate about whether um there's uh, pornography addiction and and there's a whole bunch of stuff around sex addiction and pornography um, that, has, I mean, continues to go on. Every time somebody does something stupid, it, it gets thrown up again. Um, and I'm just always interested outside of the U.S., outside of the U.K., what people think about whether it really is a huge problem because it is so accessible and it is so ubiquitous. I can really only give my own, my own sort of perspective on that because um, I don't often talk about it with other people, but um, I think it is so ubiquitous, so accessible that um, people almost it desensitizes folks to intimacy to a certain extent. But I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not saying anything original here, right? Like I imagine that's one of the one of the major tenets against, or one of the major arguments against it being so accessible is it is it does, you know, the more pornography you watch, like I'm I'm imagining I haven't watched it for a while. Um, you know, desensitizes you to sex. It um, uh, it makes you more familiar with it. You're too used to it. You know, if you if you're seeing it all the time, it's not so much fun when you're when you're when you're getting naked with your partner. So um, I can only share my. I mean, to me, that's interesting because there's a big difference between seeing it on the screen and getting naked with my partner. So for me, I think. It, it could, I think the area where it could be a problem is, is give, give me expectations. Yep. Absolutely. And if I'm not communicating, it would cert, it certainly could be an issue. If I expect a partner to perform in the way uh, on the screen or to look in a way on the, that, that, that they do on the screen. But people do raise the issue of the possibility of desensitizing. I haven't actually noticed that. I don't watch loads of pornography, to be fair. But with my clients, I haven't actually noticed that. Nobody seems to go off sex because they watch pornography, unless they're doing it obsessively, which doesn't have to do with sex. It has to do with anxiety. So right. it's like another compulsion, you know, it's like whatever they're doing. So it's always interesting to me. But it seems to be a big, it seems to be a big trigger for people. Trigger for what? Um, this sort of accessibility, the fact that pornography is there and it's accessible seems to be a big trigger for people. Yeah, I just, I, you know, I think I've, well, I, have grown, I haven't grown up with it, but it's been around for, what, 20, 20 years now? It's been accessible online. So um, and in the last 10 or so, it's been free, You can get it free. So it's just, it's just there, right? It's just, it's just it's accessible and it's there. It's not, I'm, I'm not sure that, you know, unless we start, unless the governments, unless governments start closing ISPs down that are showing it, I, I don't know how we're going to, is it even worth commenting on? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, know, I actually think, I actually think that, that, again, for me, the answer comes back to how people learn to handle things and manage themselves rather than kind of censoring the content. You know, for me, it's like, well, if this is a perceived problem, if it's this, this accessibility is a perceived issue, if we're saying that people are spending too much time on the fan, fantastical relationship rather than the actual real relationship in front of them, then what do we need to do to get them re-engaged in their relationship, to teach them more about right. how to evaluate what they're seeing, to teach them to communicate so they can have what they want, 
in their relationship rather than censoring. I have real issues with censorship. Um, well, it's not something, it's not something I'd advocate for sure. I, I think it's pointless to do it to, to advocate it, but I can see, I can see what you, I can see a point where you say that um, folks may want their partner to replicate what they're seeing on, you know, yeah. the last movie they watched. But again, you know, it comes down to communication. If you want to have that in the bedroom, tell your partner, say, listen, you know, can you do this? Can you do that? Can we try this? Can you try that? So just communicate, right? Yeah. I mean, it really is talking about it. And oh my God, it's like, that's seems such a simple solution, but it gets in people's ways so often. It's amazing to me. Well, I think, I think part of the problem is people don't know how to bring it up, right? There's no, there's no taught structure for bringing up something that you're concerned about with your partner. Um, you know, one of the pieces we posted the other day, which was super successful on, online, was it was the nonviolent, um, the four-part nonviolent communication process. I don't know if you've heard about that. Yeah. Sorry, Beth. That's, just a, that's just a way for folks to be able to sit down with your partner and have a structured way to bring up something that is bothering them or, or that they, they need addressing within their relationship. And it's super simple. It's, yep. you know, it takes five minutes, not even that. And it's a way that can be very non-confrontational. So again, it just comes down to communicating and facilitating communication. Yeah, I mean, I think um, for me, the idea of how do you create a safe space? So how do you talk about other things that are of issue? I mean, in some couples, they don't talk about anything of issue. But in a lot of couples, they do talk about other problems that come up in the relationship. It's just sex that doesn't get talked about. So it's like, well, if you can create a safe space to have the conversation and a safe structure to have the conversation about somebody's overspending or coming home late from the office, why can't you have the conversation about sex? What gets in the way? No, I totally agree. Absolutely agree. 100%. So what should we be looking forward to from you guys in the next year or so? We've got the beginning bondage. Yeah, we've got some, um, we've got some other... Uh, kept coming out um, in the new year, 2018. Um, some other, you know, again, the same sort of space stuff where it's, where it's, it's not, it's not too out there. It's not too um, measuring once a month. It's kind of in the between categories. Um, but I'll tell you what, why don't you, why don't you listeners just jump on our website and, um, and have a look and we've got things coming out, you know, once a month or so, or they can join our, our newsletter or join our Facebook page where we're, bring out new stuff also. That's great. So if people are interested, highly recommend joining the newsletter and or the Facebook page so you can stay up to date. Go check it out and the details will be on the podcast page. So you'll have a link so that you can go and actually check out the page. I'll let you guys know what I think of the dice. They're on their way. My husband's excited. <laughs> like we're old D and Ders. So the idea of playing with dice is really exciting to us. Yeah, we're oh. sorry. Awesome. <laughs> So it should be great fun. Um, and I want to thank you for coming and joining me. Thanks for having me on, Laura Beth. Oh, you're so welcome. And thank all of you for joining me this week for the A to Z of Sex. Please write to me with suggestions for the show, the questions you want answered at Beth at a to z of sex.com. That's D-R-L-O-R-I-B-E-T-H at A-T-O-Z-O-F-S-E-X.com. Do follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and check out my YouTube channel. For a free 30-minute strategy session with me, go to https forward slash forward slash 
A-T-O-Z-O-F-S-E-X.com and click the button that says schedule now. If you enjoyed the show, please do leave me a review on iTunes and or Stitcher. The next three people who review the show will receive one session free. That's a 250-pound value. I'll see you next week when the letter will be E, and thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the A to Z of sex. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review here on iTunes, and make sure you head over to www a to Z of sex.com. That's A T O Z O F S E X. To subscribe to my free newsletter to help you keep your sex life sizzling. Stay tuned for upcoming weekly episodes as we work our way through the sexual alphabet to discover the wide world of sex, sexuality, desire, and intimacy. Knowledge gives you the power to create relationships that bring you satisfaction and joy. Hope to see you next week.